Excellent. Thank you, Mr. Tom. Um, thank you for this brother in the Lord who just loves you so much. Um, he has um, moved his life around and his family's life around to follow your call. And, and we know that he is 100% committed to you. And this is the sort of man that we need to listen to. So we just want to thank you for his life this morning. And I pray that as he brings us the word, Lord, we would hear your heart. We'd hear what you have for us to say, to, to, for us to hear. Um, bless him, give him utterance and give him peace in his spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Hello. Can you, can you hear me all right? Or is this just making my ear stick out? I'm not sure. Great. Um, for those who don't know, I'm Tom. Um, I'm married to Jasmine. We've got two boys, John and Sam. Um, they weren't very well last night, so that's why they're not here today. Um, but they would, have been, they would have been as happy as I am to see you. So um, it's good to be here. Um, right. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? I wonder what you'd say if someone asked you that today. And it's not just an adult question either. It's a question for kids too. Who is Jesus? Now, you might give a different answer, depending on who's asking. I might come back to you. Um, okay. You might give a different answer, depending on who's asking. So, who is Jesus? Asks your hairdresser. Who is Jesus? Asks your toddler. Who is Jesus? Asks someone at a family funeral. What are you going to say? That's a, that's a good answer from, from Mike in the front there. Now, I remember the first time we went to Vietnam, we heard a story um, about a lady who lived up in the north in the mountains. And um, her husband was really struggling. He had some pretty serious um, mental health problems. And it was, make, it was making life really hard for both of them. Um, and she heard on the radio, this lady out in the village, she heard on the radio that some Christians were broadcasting in from outside the country in her language. She heard that Jesus can sort things out. Jesus can heal anything. And she believed it. And so she set off further up into the mountains because she knew there's a, there's a tribe up there called the Hmong people. And they, they know Jesus. They've got Jesus. So she goes, she goes all the way up into the mountains. She eventually comes to a Hmong village. She gets to a door. Knock, knock, knock. The door opens and she says, can I have some Jesus for my husband, please? Because she thinks he's a drug. She thinks he's a drug. She's never heard of him before. Who is Jesus? We had a knock at the door yesterday. There were a couple of ladies came and started talking to Jasmine. It turned out they were Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, um, after a bit, I joined in the conversation too. I've not spent too much time talking to Jehovah's Witnesses, but we got about five minutes in and I discovered something really interesting. They don't believe that Jesus is God. So who is Jesus? It's a big question, isn't it? And it's one that matters. It matters because he's our only hope. It matters because he's the way, the truth, and the life. It matters because he's the only way to be saved. It matters because he's coming back as our judge and our king. Who is Jesus? Well, Mark's gospel is all about trying to answer that question. So let's turn there now. Let's listen to what Mark has to say. So in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, I'm using the NIV, and just listen to the first five verses. So a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. 
They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. We'll pause there for a moment. Let's, let's get into this story a little bit more. So the, we've got this, this gang around Jesus. There's four we know of so far. Um, and they're back in Capernaum after being out in the, in the wilderness. Um, and they're back probably in the same house where Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law from the fever. And because it's Jesus, it doesn't take long for a crowd to gather around. And there are people inside the house. There are people around the door. There's people out in the streets. There's such a big crowd, it's getting hard to get to him. Everyone's trying to hear what Jesus is teaching. And Jesus is preaching the word. So just like the farmer we're going to meet in chapter 4, he's there throwing out the seeds, scattering seeds, seeing where it's going to land. He's preaching the word. And then along comes a little group of five. One man who can't walk, he's paralysed. So the others, his four mates, they're carrying him on his bed. Now I've not got a first century Palestinian bed. I've got the next best thing, which is a sleeping bag. So our paralysed friend is, is lying in this bag and he's heavy. And his four mates are bringing him. They're bringing him to Jesus. The problem is the crowd is so big, they can't get to him. Now, we know what's coming next, right? We know what happens in the story. But I reckon their first instinct wasn't to go up to the roof. I reckon their first instinct was the, um, the bear hunt tactic. You know that one? Uh-oh, a crowd. A great big crowd. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Uh-oh, we've got to go. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> the problem is, the bear hunt tactic doesn't work too many people and at this point it would have been very very easy for our friends to give up but their mate on the stretcher is heavy it's probably hot they could have just gone home and tried again another day but they didn't why didn't they they didn't because they know Jesus they've seen Jesus they've seen him heal heal many many people before they know if they can just get their mate to Jesus it's going to be all right so what do they do? They do something crazy. So homes in Capernaum were single story with a flat roof made of thatch and mud and a stairway up the outside. And the four friends, they, they get their way to the stairway. They stumble up the stairs, carrying their mate all the way onto the roof. And they start listening to hear whereabouts Jesus is teaching from underneath them. And when they find the spot, they get their hands and they start scratching away at the mud and the thatch on the roof. And underneath, if you imagine we're down here, you're sitting in the, in the room with Jesus. You're one of the lucky few who's inside with him. And at first you start to feel the dust like getting in your hair. You're like, what, what's going on? And then a little bit later there's, there's clumps of mud that start falling down. You can hear the scratching and Simon's mother-in-law is not looking happy. And then suddenly there's a great big crack 
and the sunlight pours into the room and drenches Jesus. And, and we look up and we see this, this man being lowered down on his bed, landing right at the feet of Jesus. And he's there, he's there looking up, because he can't, still can't move, he's looking up at Jesus, probably quite worried, thinking, what is this mess my mates have got me into now? And Jesus looks up at the friends, and he sees their faith. And he looks down at that man, and he says something absolutely revolutionary. He says the craziest thing you're going to hear today. He says, child, your sins are forgiven. So hang on a minute, sins? What are you doing, Jesus? You've got the wrong genre. This is a healing. No, that man needs healing. But his biggest problem is his sin. And here's the first thing this story teaches us. We've got to trust Jesus when he says that sin is our biggest problem. You see, there's a link between sin and sickness, between forgiveness and healing. It's not a direct link. So individual sin doesn't always cause individual sickness. If it did, we'd all be in a heck of a lot more trouble than we are right now, right? But there is a connection between sickness and sin. Sin is the root cause of all our problems. It was sin that brought sickness and death into the world in the first place. It's our sin that separated us from God and made us spiritually dead. And when I'm talking about sin, I'm not... Um, <laughs> I'm talking about trusting anything other than God to make us happy and whole. And when we do that, all the dark and depraved and mess that comes out in, in our thoughts, and in our words, in our actions. Whenever we're trusting anything other than God to make us happy and whole, that's sin. So when Jesus sees a disability, he responds by forgiving sin. And it's not a bait and switch. He's dealing with the root of the problem. Jesus forgives sin. And where there is no more sin, there will be no more sickness, no disability, no death. Because Jesus has dealt with the problem by its root. So in our garden, we've got a mostly gravel garden in the house we're renting. And there's these really annoying weeds. that I don't know if you've seen them. They're like green and leafy. They have little blue flowers sometimes. And it doesn't matter how carefully... I grip the stem. It doesn't matter how firmly I get it and, give it and wiggle it even. Always, every single time, the stem snaps off before I can get the root out. So no matter what I do, they're always going to come back. Jesus is the only one who can deal with our root problem. When Jesus returns at the end of the age and brings heaven to earth, there will be no more sickness. There will be no more death. He will forgive all our sin and root it all out, completely eradicated, none left at all. Hallelujah. Now, if we're trusting in Jesus, we're forgiven right now. We might not be healed right now, but we might be. Some of that blessing spills over into the present by God's grace, and there's no harm in asking, is there? 
We know there's a great hope in asking Jesus for healing. We're going to see it again and again in the gospel. Look at the end of this story. There's plenty of reason for hope. But it's not automatic. Because by verse 5, we've got lying down here by Jesus now. A forgiven man, but still a disabled man, still a paralyzed man. So we need to trust Jesus when he says that sin is our biggest problem. Forgiveness isn't always what we want, but it is always what we need. So what does it look like to trust what Jesus says about sin? Well, I've been studying for three years now, and there's always a point in the term where deadlines are looming and essays are piling up and there's exams on the horizon um, and it starts to feel pretty, pretty much impossible. Do you ever feel like that? at work or at school with family life or church life it's just too much on too much to do not enough time so two years ago around this time I was feeling the pressure essays were piling up exams were looming all the busyness of church all the busyness of family and I remember at one point late at night just praying and saying Jesus this is too much for me I can't handle it do you know what he said Tom You look at what I've done for you. Your sins are forgiven. Forgiveness isn't isn't always what we want, but it is always what we need. There's hope in forgiveness. There's deep peace when we know our Father's love and care for us. Listen to these words from 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And from 1 John 4.10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, it didn't help with my workload, but there is such a peace and relief that comes when you hear God speaking to you and saying, your sins are forgiven and I love you and I've already done the majority of the work for you. It's going to be all right. Do you know that relief today? Forgiveness from sin might not be the miracle you were looking for when you came in this morning. But will you trust Jesus that it's the one you most need, whatever else is going on? Because forgiveness is the doorway to adoption. And forgiveness is how we know our Heavenly Father's love. Trust Jesus when he says that sin is your biggest problem. And you can trust him because he has dealt with it. Hallelujah. Now, Mark could have ended the story there. That's, that's quite enough to be going on with. But there's more. And now we're getting back to the question we started with. What was the question we started with? Nathaniel, do you remember? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Okay, let's read, read on. This is Mark chapter 2, and I'll go from verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. 
But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. So the focus of the scene here shifts. So far we've been concentrating on the man lying at Jesus' feet. And now our gaze shifts to the shadows in the side, in the corners of the room where these scribes are sitting and they're, they're pondering in their heads. And they're scowling inside because Jesus has just said something that is appalling to them. Let's follow their logic. So here's what they're thinking. And I'm go- we're going from verse 9 here. If only God is able to forgive sins. Yeah, we know that. And Jesus is claiming to forgive sins. He's just done that. Jesus is not God. So Jesus is blaspheming. That's what they're saying. It makes sense, doesn't it? Now, accusing someone of blasphemy is dangerous. It carries the death penalty. And it's actually what's, it's the thing that's going to get Jesus killed at the end of this gospel. This is serious. But did you spot where they were wrong? What have they got wrong here? Right, Jesus is not God. They're wrong about point three. Who is Jesus? Well, he knows the thoughts of their hearts. Verse six says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. Who is the only one who has that kind of knowledge? God, right? Knowledge of other people's hearts. Only God can do that. And that's not all. Jesus knows they're accusing him in their hearts, but he doesn't back down, he doubles down. Only God can forgive sin, and only God can heal to prove it. Verse 10 is absolutely critical for us. Jesus says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Who is Jesus? Well, he tells us here, Jesus is the Son of Man and he has authority. Jesus is dangling a Bible thread in front of us here. If you want to follow it, I'm not going to read it now, but it's Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And it talks about one like a son of man who comes on the clouds just like God, who's able to come into the presence of the Almighty, who's given authority and sovereign power and glory, who receives worship. Now, only God is worthy of worship. And here's Mark telling us from Jesus' own lips, see that son of man, Daniel? That's me. The proof is in the healing. Friends, here's what Mark is teaching us in this story. Trust Jesus and he will forgive your sins because he is God. He's the only one with the authority to forgive your sins. Trust him. He is so able. You might be wondering if he's willing. It's a bit of a scary thing, isn't it? Realising that Jesus knows every thought that has popped out of your heart and gone round your head. 
He knows everything about you. He knows the worst thing you've ever done. He knows the worst thing you've ever thought. He knows what makes you most ashamed. And he is so willing to forgive you. Trust Jesus and he will forgive your sins because he's God. Is he willing to forgive? Well, the friends tore a roof open to get help from Jesus. The Son of God tore heaven open to get help to you. The miracle of Christmas is that the eternal, holy, sovereign Son of God happily took on flesh and stepped into time and space so that he could be rejected and hated and put to the most awful death, all for you. God didn't need to save us. He's perfectly happy as he is without us, enjoying his own company, but he chose to out of free grace. He chose to create you and he chose to spend eternity with you. Even though he knows everything you've thought, everything you've said, everything you've done. And we're not talking about some silly mistake you might have made as a teenager here. Sin is failure to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our mind and all our soul and all our strength. Because we're wasting our time on something he's made instead. Despite that, the Son of Man has divine authority to forgive all your sins. He died in your place and he was happy to do so. He's happy to sweep you up to eternal joy with him forever because he loves you. Now, no mere man could do that. No washed out, watered down Jehovah's Witness Jesus could do that. That would be blasphemy. Only Jesus can do that because only Jesus is God. Let me read from verse 9 again. He said, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. Jesus really does have authority to heal and he really does have God's authority to forgive sins. The scribes were wrong. He's not blaspheming, he's God. Let's, let's correct their logic here. Only God is able to forgive sins, yes. Jesus is claiming to forgive sins, Yes, Jesus has God's authority to forgive and to heal. We see it because the guy gets up, picks up his bed and goes back to his family. What's the only conclusion? Jesus is God. So here's the application. Trust Jesus and he will forgive your sins because he's God. So how do we do that? We do it the same way the friends did in the story. We do it by faith. I've got three little pictures now, just as we finish, um, to describe faith. I wonder if you could compare them with your own life. Do they fit you? This is how we respond to Jesus in faith. First, faith gets to Jesus at all costs. There's always a blockage. It might be crowds. It could be friends pressuring you to do something you know you shouldn't. It could be workload. It could be anything. But faith always finds a way to Jesus. And the good news is we don't have to go digging through any roofs because he's closer to us than we are to ourselves. All we've got to do is talk to him. Faith gets to Jesus at all costs. You show your trust in him by talking to him, by asking him for help. 
putting the work down for a minute to ask him to forgive you and help you. I think if there's one thing that best boxes Jesus off from us, it's probably shame. It's hardest for me to get Jesus to get to Jesus when I feel so ashamed that I try and box myself away from him. I don't know what you've done, but he already does. Ask him to bust through the roof of your shame and come show you how much he loves you. Here's first John four ten again. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So faith gets to Jesus at all costs. Second, faith trusts that he is able to forgive and to heal. So you're not going to come to Jesus for help if you don't think he can do anything about it, are you? Do you trust that Jesus has authority to forgive you and to heal you this morning? There's a contrast running through this passage between seeing and knowing. Just glance down for a minute with me. Verse 5. Jesus sees the faith of the group. Verse 8, he knows the internal attitudes of their hearts. Verse 10, the point of the healing is that the scribes may know his authority, but by the end, verse 12, the crowd have never seen anything like this healing happening before their eyes. So Jesus sees and knows perfectly. The scribes and the crowds don't. They see the healing, they don't know he's God. There's no sign that they actually realise who this man is standing in front of them. And at the end of this story, Mark leaves us asking, did they get it? And that makes us ask, do we get it? He's God. He's the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. He's the ruler of heaven. Again and again as we go on through Mark, we're going to see Jesus do things only God can do. So who is Jesus? What's your answer this morning? Faith trusts that he is able to forgive and heal because he is God. Now finally, faith brings others to him. So it didn't matter that that paralysed man couldn't walk because he had four mates to pick up his bed and carry him and they did whatever it took. We don't carry people to Jesus on stretches anymore because he's not located in any one place. We carry them in our prayers and we carry them by telling them the truth about Jesus. So who do you know that you can wrap up in a sleeping bag of prayer and you can carry to Jesus? Who do you know you can share this truth with? So let's end with those same questions we started with. Who is Jesus? I asked, I wonder if you give a different answer depending on who's asking. So this week, have a think. Who is Jesus? Asks your hairdresser. Who is Jesus? asks your toddler. Who is Jesus? asks someone at your family funeral. Or who is Jesus? asks the Jehovah's Witnesses on your doorstep. What are you going to say? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning so much for Jesus. We thank you for the truth that we've been singing in all these songs this morning that Julian's been leading us in. Lord, so much about your glory, your goodness, your power, your majesty. We in this church, we say you are God, Jesus, and we need you. We need you to forgive our sins. 
and we celebrate that you've done so. We need you to help us and heal us and we celebrate that you are so willing to do so. So Jesus, help us, help us to have faith. When it's hard, when the workload is high, when it feels impossible, Lord Jesus, whisper that truth to our heart that you've done the biggest thing already. You've forgiven our sins. We thank you that you went to the cross for us. Come close to us right now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.